uh, we had stopped, I think on the way there, we, we had nothing to climb with. We stopped at a pawn shop and found a set of spurs of all places and uh, had no harness. So I think I probably drank enough beer that I took my belt off. <laughs> I, I know that's how I climbed the tree. I, I used my belt. And uh, halfway up the tree, of course, I'm shaking, nervous wreck. Daryl's coaching. He said, you're doing good. You're doing good. And of course, I'm cussing him. I said, you're not in this tree with a belt and a pawn shop set of spurs, you know. So I don't know about you all, but but my favorite stories in falconry are the ones that always have the most random, quirky, just off-the-wall kind of aspects to them. And I was really fortunate to be able to have a conversation with Clint Carpenter, who was our guest this week at the Kentucky Falconers Association picnic. After hearing a few of his stories, well, naturally I had to have him on as a guest and uh, pass some of those along to you all as well. He definitely had some stories to share, especially with with getting into uh, imprinting red tails and things that you typically don't see done near as much these days. So it was really cool to be able to, to have this conversation with Clint, and I am happy to be able to pass it along to you all. So I give you all Clint Carpenter. Enjoy. All right, and three, two, one. Uh, how's it going, Clint? It's going good. Good, man. Yes. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm doing good. I mean, I wish my uh, studio air conditioning was was working currently, but you know, uh, you know, it's whatever. It's still a little tolerable. I'm sure it's probably not too much of an issue for you right now. Well, right? We have a month. <laughs> a month indeed. So, you said you work for uh for Nestle, right? Work for Nestle. Yeah, and you make make hot pockets. Make hot pockets. <laughs> yeah, we so make you, hot pockets. The, those things they they never are just right temperature wise. No, um, they're either too cold or you're just you know it's kind of like the the Jim Gaffigan skits you know with the, talking about how just you know molten lava inside your mouth and you know burning the the, the heck out of your mouth. Yep. Oh, that's cool, man. So how um I know you you said you work like crazy hours and everything. I mean, yeah, how's how what kind of hours did you say you work again? Yeah, we work twelve and a half hour days, and then on top of that, I have an hour drive to work and back. So oh, most of my day is shot when I, I do work. I can I can relate to the to the hour drive. I I drive uh, to Vincennes, but I only do that like a few times a week to to go to work. It's about an hour and fifteen minute drive for me too, so I can relate to that a little bit. I'm not sure I'd want to do it more than a few times a week though. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, so something that that not very many um, people tend to to talk about enough, I think, is uh, how in the world with with working that many twelve uh, hour you know, shifts and stuff. I mean, how do you make your, your falconry work around? Well, that? we never work any more than three days in a row, uh, two days, and then we'll be off two days, work three days and then off two, so on and so forth. It uh, changes through the week, uh, each week. And uh, basically, when it's early season, I try to get out as soon as I can when everybody else is sitting around. You know, they mm-hmm. don't want to get out in the heat. Right. They don't want to get the burrs and briars. But, uh, I'll take a bird to work and uh, we'll stick it somewhere where it's cool. We have a uh, trailers out back and we'll stick them back there. And we actually hunt the industrial park where it's at. So if we have 30 minutes of daylight, that's yeah, we'll use it. Uh, me and Kevin Rose, buddy of mine, he's in falconry. He works up there with me. So oh, well, makes it. Yeah. Well, that's convenient. Yeah, it is convenient. <laughs> you gonna... So you're not doing it alone. Yeah. But uh, yeah, on my days off, it's I'm in the woods, daylight to dark. Okay. Yep. 
Well, that's that's cool. I mean, I um, I wish I had a, a job. I work in healthcare, and you know, I uh, I think they would frown on me bringing my my bird into the <laughs> hospital. You know, just uh, sitting there with it on the with the, right. on the glove while I'm while I'm watching people doing doing sleep studies at night. You know, I don't really think they'd like that too right, much, no. unfortunately. So, it's <laughs> yeah. Although I have I have done the occasional um like quick. Uh, um kestrel on starling deal you know on the on the way to work some nights when i haven't been able to to fit it in before that and everything and um you know by then it's cool enough that you can leave them in the car overnight and everything yep. so but uh so how big is that is that complex then where you uh, work i mean there's how... 750 people on the floor it's, okay. it's a really big mm-hmm. it's a really big company okay and yeah. so so it's it's probably got a pretty decent area to, to hunt around there too yeah right? it's uh a lot of older buildings, some of them they don't use anymore. And of course it has on the back side of it, it has a subdivision and in between it's uh, undeveloped. Okay. So it is just, it's loaded with rabbits being it's in the city limits. Mm-hmm. You keep the gun hunters out of there. Right. Uh-huh. And they seem to tolerate us and we go, we don't, we keep a small group and they don't even really know we're there. Well, that's, that's good. Yeah. I mean, it's uh I'm sure they probably wouldn't even know what you guys were, were no. doing anyway. No. So no, that's that's neat though. You just don't hear that very often. Abatement guys and stuff like that. They, they, I mean, they incorporate it into their job. So, but I mean, there's not very many people that have that that kind of flexibility to to be able to take their birds to to work and and do that. You know, on off time and everything. Right. So that's cool. You know. So how long? Um, how long have you been associated or have you lived in Kentucky your, your whole life or lived right where I live in, uh, Nicholas County, Kentucky, my whole life. Okay. So you pretty much been Kentucky your whole life. And you said you've been, um, practicing falconry for, for what? 10 years, you said 10 years. Okay. So how did you kind of get associated with, um, you know, the, the Kentucky Falconer, um, association club and, uh, you know, I know you just got elected to be their their president and stuff, and we kind of met briefly um, at the meet, you know, a few weeks back mm-hmm. or whatever. So, uh, how how was that process for you? Yeah, it's a little bit overwhelming actually. It started out really gung ho, and Tyler, I mean, he has done an unbelievable job. Tim has done an unbelievable job. Kirk, and you know, I'm I'm a hunter, mm-hmm. and I'm not used to. The computer, I mean, they are whizzes at it. They have the programs, whatnot, what they use. I mean, I don't even know how to open up the email to the account. <laughs> so they basically, Tyler has taken the reins and went with it. And, you know, I'm there. And we have meetings. We've been pretty religious on it. Mm-hmm. And, and, it's, and it showed at the meet. We almost doubled the people this year. Yeah, it was, it was a nice turnout yeah, from what I saw. We had really good attendance yeah, and uh, a lot of support. And I don't know, I'm more along the lines of putting something together as far as the meat, the field meat. Mm-hmm. And I think people look towards me as leading that and thought that I would be the best president. And, and I'll tell you, it's there's a lot more into that goes into that it. goes into this mm-hmm. yeah it's yeah. there's a lot and these guys are showing me that so yeah as a as a group of us four in the committee it is it's been a a really good thing cool. for kentucky well how's um how how long has the club been established now <sighs> i'm i'm wanting to say they said the earliest they could find was back in the late 60s 
Okay. And that's the that's the earliest date they could find that the club has been there. And more or less, it was just a bunch of guys that would get together and, you know, the older fellas. And it wasn't as organized as what it is right now. Mm. A few years back, we, Daryl Lane, he's the chief of police there in town. And also, he is a falconer and uh, my sponsor. And we got together and we talked with um, Stuart Ray. And he was really wanting to push and get this going, get this organization off and running. And we just never could really come together. It wasn't until Hannah and Stuart mm-hmm. came together and they lived closer and they were more able to do this. Mm-hmm. And we we had a small, it wasn't even a picnic. It was just a meet to get it kicked off. And the very next year, we had a pretty good attendance of that. The very next year, we had our first picnic. Hannah put together a really great raffle for a first, I mean, the very first one in a long time. Mm -hmm. And it did. It grew the next year, and then this is the third year. Mm -hmm. So it really jumped this year. Well, that's that's good, though. That's that's what you want to see is that that exponential that growth is, it means that, you know, words getting out and, and I, so the, the Indiana, our Indiana club is, is kind of the same way we keep seeing, you know, more and more people come each year and stuff too. And, and even the, the smaller individual meets and stuff, they, um, I'm sure you guys have probably noticed the same thing, but there just keeps become there. There's more and more and more like pre-apprentice aspiring, um, you know, falconers that are, are, people that, that want to be falconers it, 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 the the number of those types of people just keeps growing at each meet I, I think it's it's pretty interesting and it kind of attests to the fact that even though this sport is technically what they've been considering for so many years like a, a sport that's on a decline as far as numbers but it seems like it's it's been kind of having um you know a continual resurgence at least an in interest mm-hmm. so it, it kind of um it, it kind of tells me that that the word, you know, is, is still continuing to, to get out about it, whether it be through social media or just other avenues and, and stuff like that. It's, um, but it, it's also amazing how many of those people, <laughs> you know, after talking to, to so many of the people at, at these, at these picnics and, and, uh, meets and stuff, they, they are all kind of like really interested in gung ho about it, but then they, they start talking to more people right. and then all of a sudden you never hear from them again. <laughs> yep. That does happen. Yeah. 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 I mean, you, you know, phone numbers are given out and stuff. You might get one or two phone calls and then radio silence right. from, from a lot of these people, which, you know, I mean, like I said, we, we've anybody that that remotely does any research on this finds out real fast that it could very well n- not be for them. So right. and that, that I think that is um, is 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 kind of a good thing, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, because that way everybody between the potential sponsors all the way to the birds themselves you know they're they're not gonna um well have any injustices done as far as time or or anything else for someone that's not willing to put forth the the dedication to Mm -hmm. it so so you've you've basically um you've been doing this for 10 years and I'm, I'm assuming you started off with uh, kind of the traditional like red tail, um, you know, type or, or, or how did, how maybe was that, was that different for you or? Did, yeah, did it was you... different. I would like to say that I started out watching, you know, 
a movie or reading a book, mm-hmm. my side of the mountain, or whatever. <laughs> but it wasn't like that. No, yeah. Yeah. I was a avid small game hunter. I mm-hmm. raised German short hair pointers, and uh, I had two hundred acres and was a cattle farmer. And we would travel out west every year, and I also had beagles. And it happened to be that day we, uh, me and actually the game warden, and that was before he was the game warden. And we were hunting rabbit on an adjacent farm to mine. And the beagle was bringing the rabbit around the rim of a, just a small holler. Mm-hmm. And out of nowhere, a hawk just smashes it. <laughs> That is what started my drive, and it, it sparked my interest. Of course, I was going to work, and as slow as the internet even was, I was punching buttons, and it kindly went away for a few years, and then one day I was driving home from work, and I saw this bird just fly across my car, and it was huge. It looked like a golden eagle to me. I didn't know any different golden eagle or red tail, and uh I saw it go into Daryl Lane's yard. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I'm turning my steering wheel and I'm pulling in. I, I knew Daryl, known him for many years, but I had no idea he was in the falconry. And, of course, as soon as I'm pulling in, I'm seeing this bird land on his glove. Mm-hmm. I got out. I said, what What can I do to do this? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, he basically picked me up that day. He was like, you want to do it? You know, he knew me. He knew my drive for hunting and all that. Mm-hmm. And that is when I began to learn that they don't destroy small game. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, it's harder to catch anything. Damn, I want to take a shotgun with me. But um, yeah, it would be a lot more efficient to 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 kill small game with with a gun. Right, it would. (laughs) So yeah, I, I mean, if anything, that is what it has taught me. Yeah, no, that's cool. I mean, it's 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 really it's really cool that um, the, the people that, that start getting into this, it's just as much educational as it is anything else. Yes. And there's so much that goes into it, and there's just so many misconceptions and everything that that uh, that are out there mm-hmm. um, about it. So that that it definitely is one of the most important things, and it's, it's why you it, for everybody that that wants to get into it, they really need to find the best sponsor that they can find, someone that's going to really you know, to tell them those things, because right. if not, then you're going to get all this misinformation and all these different, um, you know, these misnomers or um, the, these these other things that really don't need to be passed down from generation to generation that, that are being passed down. Right. And uh, obviously that doesn't do anybody any good. So mm-hmm. so you, you get into this then and you you're you just are fascinated by seeing this. You start your your apprenticeship and you go ahead and uh you know just what what was you, did you start off with a red tail then and just do the traditional yep. route that most people do yep just- uh, of course daryl had me build my own trap and uh, i mean all this came together within a month it was actually i'm thinking november was about when i came into it and actually we had a uh, trip out west planned already mm-hmm. so I'm scrambling to get a bird, got one the first day out, and her name was Generator. And <laughs> yeah, she was a tough bird. She was. She was she only killed one for me that year. But the experience I had with her 
and my first year I started mid of the year Mm -hmm. and, uh, the experience we had out West that year when we took the birds, it was just, uh, I knew then that was my thing. Mm -hmm. And that's every year is getting better. Daryl always said, he said, if you think that was awesome, just wait, it gets better. And it Mm -hmm. has. Mm -hmm. It can also get worse too. There's bad times. (laughs) There's bad times, especially when you're dealing with the sippeters. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. And so I'm assuming that you've had that, that run, that same run of, uh, bad type luck that, that most Falconers have usually where they'll, they'll have, you know, few good years or whatever and then they'll just have like a year or two where they just can't do anything right that's it yeah yep. and uh, what how, how did that go for you yeah it's depressing i mean one year i got a bird and i was just bound and determined that i was going to get it to kill and i went almost half the season with this bird and the only thing it would take was mice yeah you know, there's nothing I could put in front of it. Mm. A lot of people I've heard, uh, even Jeff Fincher say before, you can make any bird. But that bird, I couldn't even make it. I, nothing I could do. You know, mm. I. Yeah, we, we've talked. We've yeah, we talked. We've talked about it before. There's just some birds that are not good falconry candidate birds. Yep. And those birds, you have to make a decision a lot sooner, hopefully, rather than later, or else, like you just said, you've, you've burnt half a season on a bird that's not going to give you any return on the amount of work that you put into that's, it. That's right. And uh, that's always a shame, but you just have to chalk it up to, you know, you, you can call it a failure, you can call it a learning experience, you can call it whatever you want, but it still is what it is. Right. And uh, ultimately, it's... I, the way I look in, into any type of experiences, even if I fail, I mean, I, I'm I'm quick to own up to any mistake that I make, no matter how stupid it is. And Lord knows I've done a lot of stupid stuff, but it's always a good learning experience. And you know, we've we've had many discussions amongst me and my other buddies and everything. I'm sure you've had similar discussions that as as long as you just don't make the same mistake again, right, and make a habit of of doing that, then. It, it's just all part of it that's right yeah so, it's a practice yeah I mean, for sure so did you um did you uh do the uh, did you did you release your first bird then and get another one the following season then, i or? did okay i did yeah uh that was one of that was one of my sponsors he wanted that bird released and me to experience another bird and my mm-hmm. second bird was just she dominated mm-hmm. and he then he didn't want me to get rid of that bird right. he's like listen you're never gonna have another bird like this there's not a guarantee you will anyway mm-hmm. yeah and the the next year is the year that i went and didn't catch anything i'm like mm. man i wish i had that one back <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh it's funny because you you listen to some of these guys that have been in the sport for decades and it's easy for someone to tell you when you've only been in the sport for a couple of years or something like you don't really know what you got there right and you don't you don't really know how rare it is that what just what just happened or what you know that 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 season that you had or what that bird did for you you don't really understand how you know i guess exceptional would be a decent word but like how how rare or how um how just just not frequent that that happens and so right. you're like okay <laughs> like right. You're, you're right i, I don't i don't know <laughs> yeah. because because i really have um it's like I, I have no frame of reference you know to to basically compare it to and um i kind of look forward i mean i hope i'm i'm still physically able to keep doing this for another 30 
40 years like a lot of these guys are and everything. But um, I, I hope that I can be that guy someday to, to look at some of these young guys, assuming, of course, that we haven't destroyed all of our hunting lands and, and mowed yeah. everything over by then. <laughs> but but it's, it's starting to get disheartening, you know, with, with how much uh, spots and, and land that we're losing to development, unfortunately. But um but you know, I've had I've had kind of the similar experience and stuff too. I mean, I was I was spoiled by my first red tail because um, I, I had this uh, really nice tearsel I, I named Vader, and because um, obviously you can see the star <laughs> right. Star Wars yeah. nerdery in here, you know, whatever. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so Vader and I got like thirty four rabbits, you know, first season and everything, and I hunted him. I was having a blast with him. I, I had no idea I could have that much fun with a red tail, like because I. You know, with with Mark and all the lot, a lot of the local guys are goshawk guys and stuff. So, and um, you know, my sponsor uh, Bill is primarily a Harris hawk guy. So, you know, I saw these different types of birds and it's kind of, but I I thought that the red tails. I mean, they were they were cool, but I don't know. There, it just wasn't kind of my my forte. You know, like right. I didn't, I didn't, of course, you know, I'm sitting here looking back now thinking you, it's not like you knew what, what forte you had <laughs> freaking dork, you know, <laughs> but, but, uh, but you know, I, I, that first season I, I was just like, man, I, I think I could really have a lot of fun with a red tail. Of course I haven't had one since, but it's not saying I'm not going to try one again or have one again or whatever. It's still not really my, my number one, um, you know, preferred style of, of, of hunting or whatever, but. But I think the next one I wanted I want to do the squirrel deal and mm-hmm. stuff, especially after talking to Jeff. I just did a, a podcast with, with Jeff, you know, Fincher and stuff this this last week and everything. And and um, you know, some of the other squirrel guys that I know too, they just they swore by it. And uh, you know, that's it seems like um, that just might be a lot more fun the next time around than the traditional um, the cottontail way yes. of doing stuff. So <clears throat> so you you did you did you know red tails your first two or three seasons and stuff. What um, you you told me earlier that you've you've done a couple of of imprints and, and everything and you know one of the first things obviously that that any aspiring person is told is like well I mean you can do imprint red tails but but <laughs> you know uh, yep. you know there's there's so many ways that you can potentially turn that into a, a disaster obviously um, and you know there's very few things that that a lot of people say you can accomplish with an imprint that you couldn't just do with an, uh, a fairly eventually sweet natured passage bird. Right. So, so go into that a little bit. Why, yeah, why, why did you do the imprints? And- so I got a really, a really good story behind all and the reasoning of why I did the second imprint. Please share. <laughs> so, uh, I was at home one morning, got woke up to a phone call from a, uh, nurse that I went to school with in, Frankfort, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. She was at the uh, hospital and said, are you still messing with those birds? I said, yeah, I'm still messing with those birds. <laughs> and uh, she said, we have one down here on the helicopter pad. And she said, it's really tame. We go down there at lunch every day and it just doesn't fly off or anything. She said, we can walk right up to it. What do you think's wrong with it? And I said, I don't know. I said, can it fly? She said, no, it doesn't fly. I was like, yeah, sure as crap. When I get, you know, an hour and a half drive, I'm going to walk out to the helicopter pad. It's going to fly to a tree. And uh, she convinced me to come. So I grab a dip net, didn't have a rat, grab a trap. I grabbed my tackle box full of everything I had. Mm. And away I, I went. 
and I stopped at uh, Petco. Got a gerbil, had to sign my life away to get that thing. <laughs> that saying that, yeah, I was going to yeah. go home and it was going to be in a shrine or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. That's yeah, not gonna, what happened You're going to worship one. it nightly. <laughs> yeah. And, and you'll, you'll treat it as, as your most loved and uh, and cherished family member ever. Yeah. yeah. No, it, I got you. <laughs> yeah, that's... And yeah. Uh, so I went to the helicopter pad and sure enough, it was out there catching grasshoppers in good size hawk. And... Uh, Hurried up, rushed, put the rat in the trap, and thought, well, I'm just going to do this easy way, and I'm going to take it out there, throw it. Surely enough, it'll walk over to it. Well, when it saw me coming towards it, mm -hmm. it started coming towards me, hopping on the ground. I was like, well, isn't this odd? So I <laughs> <laughs> uh, just kind of threw the trap to the side and walked up to the bird and put the dip net over it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, this is really weird. So picked it up, checked all over it, just didn't see any signs of it any injury or anything mm -hmm. and uh so i took it to a picnic table sat it down and uh was gonna slide it in a set of pantyhose i always cut mm -hmm. the end out slide yeah. it through put the hood on okay and one of the helicopter pilots came out <laughs> he said hey what are you doing with our bird Hey everyone, we'll get back to Clint's story here in just a second, but I wanted to take a quick moment to make an announcement. I think it's going to make a lot of you very happy. It's been requested for a while that we uh, start offering the podcast on other platforms, including Apple Podcasts, and here real soon that is going to be a reality. So um, we're happy to be able to officially announce that, and it's going to take a little bit of time, but we'll officially announce whenever it's, it's all ready to go. Um, but we're uh, doing this with, with out of our own pocket basically right now. We wanted to go ahead and bite the bullet and uh, take the plunge and grow with you all. So uh, we're happy to be able to do that. And I also want to take a moment to thank everyone for the donations that they've made recently, especially from around the world. It means a lot to us. So thank you again so much for that. It's much appreciated. Well, hopefully that announcement got a lot of you excited about things to come, and we're certainly excited about those things as well. So now that the announcement has been made, we'll go ahead and uh, turn things back over to Clint and hear the rest of the story about uh, the imprint red tail. Here we go. And about then, Beth came down. She's the nurse. And uh, she said, well, we called him to come and get it. And he said, well, we raised that from a baby. Ah. And uh, he said that he showed me the nest, the helicopter taking off, blew the little chick out. I'm like, well, how long have you had this? And he said, I don't know. It was about the size of a golf ball when we got it. <laughs> and uh, and it said, lived? Yeah. I said, really? He said, yeah. Wow. He said, we were going to call somebody. He said, uh, I, I believe they told me they called Raptor Rehab because it started attacking their vehicles when they would come uh. pull into work in the morning. <laughs> And I said, well, what did you feed this thing? He said, oh, we bring a little ball of hamburger for it every morning before we come in. I said, well, just a little ball? And he said, yeah, we'd roll it up about the size of a marble, give it a few of them. And I said, and you raised that from a chick? He said, yeah. I can't believe it didn't die. Yeah. Out yeah. Off of just hamburger? Well, there's no wonder it's out catching grasshoppers. <laughs> so uh, I said, well, where did you raise it at? And he said, well, we just threw it in that flower pot right there. Out in all the wind and rain, there was a concrete flower pot that looked like they maybe used for cigarette butts, had sand in the bottom. <laughs> and uh, he said, yeah, we would just toss a hamburger in there and it would eat it. And um, so I convinced him. I told him who I was with uh, falconry and whatnot. And he said, okay. He said, uh, you know, it's probably in a better place with you. So I took her home 
And of course, here comes the gerbil. I was like, you know, she is hungry. She was really hungry. Mm-hmm. And she saw me pull the gerbil out and was just baiting straight towards me. I'd already put a set of temporary anklets on her. Mm-hmm. And so I gave her the gerbil. And as far as I know, that was the only time that I ever fed her where she saw me mm-hmm. at that point. And uh, I took her and I put her in my muse. Mm-hmm. And I blocked the window that was facing my house where I would walk up and I was feeding her through a tube. And I did that for two months. Mm-hmm. And get wild again. Literally never laid eyes on her. Yeah. I would drop the food in there and I'd hear her hit it. And I knew that it was going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, a bird that it was associated with food, people, uh, and a red-tailed hawk. I heard all yep, the horror yep, stories. Yep, yep, She uh She did scream at first when I put her in there when... Her weight would start to drop. I would feed her uh, live food through the bottom chute, and then I would drop through the top when I would drop uh, just meat or whatever. And one day I was in the house, and I had already started dropping her weight until I knew, because she would hit that wall hard. Mm-hmm. You knew when she was hungry. Mm-hmm. And I'd had her to the point she was hitting the wall pretty hard when I dropped the food in. So I said, well, I'm going to go out and get her out, and I'm going to dress her up and see what we can do mm-hmm. i w- had the glove had a piece of meat on the glove opened up the door and she hit my glove and just stood there and ate the food right off of it mm-hmm. so i took her inside dressed her up anklets all that good stuff tied her out on a bow perch and that afternoon i said well let's we'll see if she'll fly to me mm-hmm. who cares if i lose her i slipped out the jesses tossed her up in a tree and from that minute on, she killed a rabbit within the next hour. Jeez. <laughs> and the screaming, wow. the screaming had started, and then it stopped within the first week. And it wasn't really a scream. And after that, she was literally, you could handle all of her food. If she killed a rabbit, she would basically just step off the rabbit almost before she would kill it. Mm-hmm. Or before you would get a chance to get your hands on mm-hmm. it. And uh, she wanted what you were trading up. Yeah, she wanted a little chick or whatever, whatever it was you trained her with. The best, the best bird I've ever seen to trade off. She never offered to foot you. She never offered to bite. She she knew what she was in the game for. It was food. And I would never I feed I would feed her off of a lure. I mm-hmm. never fed her off of the glove. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except for the the first few times that I called her to it to see if she would come back. And after that, I was like, I've got to stop yeah, this. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my first experience with the imprint red tail that I didn't get to imprint. Right. So that following year, Brian Olson took her to kill 56 pheasant in mm-hmm. Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. He took her there. I decided I'm going to do this again. I'm going to try it again following the fireman or the helicopter pilot recipe. <laughs> so I did exactly how they did, except for I fed the right amount. But. I didn't wake up in the middle of the night. I fed it just as a parent would feed it. Mm-hmm. Really hard raining days. It didn't get to eat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I treated it like a parent would. If if it's raining that hard, they're not catching food. And I didn't feed it. If it went and it didn't eat on its own, I, I never fed it by hand. I would put the food down, put a cardboard between me and the food and yep. lift it up and walk away. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about a three-day-old chick you had to help it the first few days and after it realized it ate on its own Mm -hmm. so from then on it basically raised itself it stayed outside after it was old enough to keep its body heat 
I just built a platform out of the bottom of a igloo dog house, mm-hmm. put AstroTurf on it, and put it in an octagon dog pen with a shelter top on it, mm-hmm. and it stayed outside. Hmm. And I, I fed it, socialized with it, without the food, with the dogs around, and it got to the point that it pretty much just stayed hacked in the yard all yeah. the time. Yeah. And uh, he that became Butters. And he was, he took raccoons. He, he took a lot of stuff that I don't want to mention. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, uh, that's the unfortunate, um, yeah, that, that's the unfortunate uh, coincidence of, uh, of an imprint a lot yep. of times. Yeah. As, as you know, I signaled down to you with the coyote head there. Yep. <laughs> the prize. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, I mean, that, that's, the, that's the result of uh, imprint uh harris hawk shenanigans wow so that yeah it's not always a good thing no them being overly gamey and and being too um too stupid or just not knowing any better whatever doesn't um it's it's always really cool when a bird half the size of the game it takes wins a Mm -hmm. battle but most of the time obviously as you know it is a not worth it's not worth the the um the hassle right no. <laughs> it, it usually rarely ever works out yeah. the way that you want it to so yeah i mean that's uh well that's that's crazy so you um you said you've done multiple imprints though right or was that the or was, those are the only two those, I, those yeah. are the only two mm-hmm. okay and it was basically the first one was by chance the second one was to see if that recipe really did work uh-huh. and everything worked to a t his he was had the same exact. He acted just like her, mm-hmm. except for he screamed mm-hmm. and still screams. Mm-hmm. Um, and where I think that went wrong is I did not put him in the mew for two months and to get him not associated with the human and food. Right. Even though I wasn't feeding him by hand, right. he still knew at that point I was feeding him. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say without that uh, two months of the drop shoot action and yep. just uh, you know saying okay, well my food's not coming from that thing over there that's yeah that's where i think that that happened that makes that makes total sense but the yeah. rest was i would say that she was flawless i mean she was she was a flawless imprint well he he just had the screaming that was it yeah no i mean and and there's there's a lot of guys that are totally willing to accept a screaming bird if they produce results mm-hmm. so i mean if screaming is not fun by any stretch uh it's it's so annoying but if you're getting results from the bird hey you know i mean it's just whatever you're willing to put up with i guess you know but but yeah i mean i i i mean i know back in the day imprints in a lot of states were all you were allowed to have Mm -hmm. i mean you weren't allowed to take passage birds for a long time and stuff like that so i mean i I've heard lots of stories from a lot of the older guys that used to, to imprint them and stuff. And they had nothing but great things to say about some of the, the turnouts with some of those birds, but there's just so much room for so much room for error. And, you know, you get a nice big 50 to 60 ounce female red tail and you're imprinting it and, you know, this, the mm-hmm. thought of having a set of talons buried into your face right. you know, from one of those birds is just horrifying. Yeah. But, uh, I've, I've, you know, <laughs> like Joe and a couple other guys locally have told stories about how they, you know, would, um, 
well, Joe told me a story once about how he was trying to help a, another guy um, with, with with an imprint that it didn't go so well for him. And uh, he went over to help the guy and stuff, and that, that bird's talons ended up with, in his orbital. Wow. <laughs> and ended yeah. up, like, chipping part of the bone and next to his eye socket and stuff in the whole nine yards. Yep. I mean, it's... It's not. It's not something that's uh, that's always that great to to pursue. And you know, having done that though, and obviously done the passage birds and stuff as well. I mean, do you still think that it's that it's worth the effort over just getting you a nice passage bird and not have to deal with all the drama? Or what? Do you, what what's your final thoughts on that? My final thoughts mm-hmm. are: you're stuck with that bird for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. He is out at hack, and he is still very much there because the screams are nonstop. Yeah. Um, he doesn't come in anymore. He's, he's catching, but I'm sure I'll see him this winter. Mm-hmm. Times will get tough. He'll come back. Mm-hmm. Um, but you are stuck with that bird for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be that way because taught by my sponsor, we, he taught me to push the envelope. He taught me to push the birds mm-hmm. as hard as I could and succeed in whatever you're trying to do. And we have had a ton of fun. We have flown cast uh, Cooper Hawks mm-hmm. on duck in uh, cast Coopers. Yeah, huh? yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, let's let's. I think this is the perfect segue into that. Let's let's talk about these these Cooper's Hawk experience that you had. Then um, we'll start off by talking. Well, you you just mentioned the let's let's go ahead and just start talking about this cast Cooper's Hawk experience. You don't hear that very often. Yep, we pulled uh, two coops. Tony Englert put us on a coop nest at. Uh, taylorsville state park Mm -hmm. and uh showed us where they were we went just by a text telling us look for the deer trail going in the woods after you cross the bridge (laughs) and uh, we found it and went in and it was the first tree i ever climbed and uh yeah i was really nervous i think i it's an interesting experience yeah uh we had stopped i think on the way there we we had nothing to climb with we stopped at a pawn shop and found a set of spurs of all places Oh, geez. and uh, had no harness. So I think I probably drank enough beer that I took my belt off. <laughs> I, I know that's how I climbed the tree. I, I used my belt and uh, halfway up the tree. Of course, I'm shaking nervous wreck. Daryl's coaching me. He said, you're doing good. You're doing good. And of course, I'm cussing him. I said, you're not in this tree with a belt and a pawn shop set of spurs, you know. <laughs> Here I am packing a cooler up there with a rope on it so I can lower these birds down. So I get to the top of the cedar tree, and I get right to the base of the nest, and I freak out. Mm-hmm. I lock up. I said, I can't go any higher. I mean, I feel this tree leaning back. <laughs> and I look up through the bottom of the nest, through the, the sunlight shining through it, and I saw those little white chicks moving. Mm-hmm. That was it. Last little yeah, surge. That of, was it. I got yeah. the surge. And uh, picked out our two birds, lowered them down. Lucky enough, they were turned out to both be females and turned out to be two of the most unbelievable hunters that I have seen across social media or anything. And that's not because there are birds. They were phenomenal. There was nothing that we didn't catch with them within within reason. reason. Mine took squirrels, everything. What about ducks? took ducks we took uh lark which you know you can't stop what they can do daryl's would actually just fly completely out of the country for a lark and uh of course we were flying telemetry mm. and uh yeah mine mine got really good at crows we took 
tons of crows with her, and that's a heck of a fight. Mm-hmm. One heck of a fight. And, uh, I believe, yeah, she took a, a mallard duck, one of the big lake ducks. It, <laughs> yeah. But literally, we took everything that could that these birds could handle mm-hmm. and we pushed them the whole summer continued on his is still there tame hiking and uh nala got killed by a dog yeah, so it, it destroyed me it destroyed me i'd finally got my first occipiter and it was the best bird that i believe i had ever had mm-hmm. and i lost her yeah so that was one of those years Jeez. well i yeah i mean i've I've had really poor luck with, with ISIS so far. Um, I've tried, um, you know, a couple of, uh, well, I've, I've, I, the, the first, um, let's see, I think, what was it? Yeah. So I flew the red tail and the Harris and the Kestrel. And then once I hit what got my general is that, that, that was the first bird that I tried also was I actually climbed in my own nest and stuff too. I, I didn't do it the way you did it. I, right. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I had a harness and, yeah. and everything and whatever the, the Mark let me use and everything. And, and it, that, that took me forever to climb that tree. And at the very top, you know, where you had your little freak out episode, mm-hmm. mine was a little different. I wasn't freaking out, but when I reached, I was so dehydrated by the time I got to the top that when I reached my arm up to try and make that last little pull upwards, my whole forearm locked up and, and like literally like I couldn't, I couldn't unbend oh, my, no. my wrist and everything. I was like, ah, and, and so I'm like, okay, I've still got one good arm, you know, maybe I can. And so I reached that one up, same thing. Ah, you know what I'm saying? Like, they, so I'm sitting here like. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to like stretch him back out and everything. And I finally managed to get him stretched back out enough to where I could make that last little one. But unfortunately, um, that bird ended up that dying on me within a kind of, as a, um, the, I, 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 with a picture was sent to, um, to McDermott and, um, you know, he, he concluded that it was probably a congenital heart defect or mm-hmm. something of it just what, cause we pulled two birds also. And, and another buddy of mine got the other one and comparing the growth rate, you know, both of them, it just didn't look right. You know right. what I mean? You can just kind of tell that's, that's what he suspected. Well, I just had bad luck with, especially, I mean, and unfortunately the, the only ices I've tried have been exhibitor type ices. I've tried a sharp shin and, um, I've also tried, um, you know, the, the, the coop and they both they both died on me yeah and i'm just so i've i've sworn that off for a little while you know i'm sure i'll do it again at some point mm-hmm. but but um yeah i mean that the, you just never know when that bad luck is gonna strike unfortunately but uh but um so w- with with that bird um did you use kind of a similar style imprinting it is is the is the like how did you do that different from how you did obviously obviously you're going to do is different from what you did with the red tail right. but i mean like what how what was the, the process I, you, I bought the mcdermott book yeah the yes, recipe follow, follow the recipe yeah i mean hands off to him if it worked for him but i had the <laughs> worst face grabbing screaming bird there ever was yeah she was a hunter like yeah. you said before she made up for the i mean she literally was impressive mm-hmm. and made up for it but yeah if if she missed a few times you're gonna pay for it mm-hmm. 
So when did you? I'm assuming you, when you mentioned the cast, I mean, did you fly them together? Um, yeah. And how and how was that? Actually, we did. We uh, the first time that we realized that it was possible was we were both had the birds on our fist. We were at a local industrial park that shut down, and they have some old uh, holding ponds there, and they're they're old ponds. They have a rubber base in them. We happened to pop over the top, and we saw ducks floating in it and we knew that they were going to fly out on the backside mm-hmm. so we kindly devised a plan of how we were going to get these ducks and it was basically going to take two birds mm-hmm. in our mind <laughs> yeah so uh he entered one side with the side we thought we would push them from and i slipped to the lower side and sure enough he tossed Angel. She went after the ducks. They busted up over my head, and away Nala went. Mm-hmm. They flew side by side. Neither of those ducks they caught of those, but that's the day we realized that it was possible. And his bird was a little a little bit bigger than mine, and she would do she would catch, and then mine would she would honor it. She wouldn't come in on it until we would walk in on it and we could get food cut up fast enough and throw it to the side. Hmm. So we did that for a while and actually never really had a problem with it. Huh. And we started wow. uh, car hawking that way. Uh-huh. He was out of the driver's side. I was out of the yes. passenger side. And <laughs> yeah. One of the, I mean, a lot of times we would catch doubles. Yeah. So, well, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, no, so it was working. Well, it's I know for a fact that's something that I've never heard of anybody trying to to fly two coops together even imprint or not but have you have you done any uh any passage coops or never have done a passage yeah no just never never bothered nope and i've hiked them all i was telling Jarrett one day i would like to know what it's like not to hike one and see the difference you know because mm-hmm. I, I put them all out to tame hike for i think the longest i've ever put one out is 27 days and they build up great muscle and they learn to hunt when you start seeing them chase a lot and unfortunately the one i have was catching moles so but um (laughs) yeah so once you start seeing them do that stuff you pull them on in Mm -hmm. i would like to see what it would be like just not to hack one to see the difference because i've never experienced that Mm -hmm. yeah i know yeah I, i know jared's told me many times that there's a few things that going back he knows that he would probably do different and stuff but yeah, I mean, it's it always seems like whenever you're getting into these these new things that you haven't done before that there's just never going to be enough time. Right. And uh sure enough, there a lot of times there there's not, but uh but yeah, I mean, it's uh it's it's interesting because it seems like I don't know, like they especially if you if you find that niche of things that you really really like and you just kind of want to stick with it for a while. You know, I know sometimes the other stuff becomes less important in your mind, but you still think that, well, I hope that there's going to be time. It turns mm-hmm. into, you know, it goes from, well, I know there's going to be time to fly these different birds that I want to fly later or whatever to that, that, that transitions to, I, I just, I hope that there's time. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, I, I'm, I've definitely become more of a Falcon guy mm-hmm. and, um, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of funny, you know, talking about these, these imprint red tail experiences and stuff. I, I just had um, an experience the last couple of days. This um, this small open area where I've been a uh, drone training the the prairie falcon that I've that I've got right now. Um, the last couple of days I've had a uh, passage red tail 
come in and try and rob him two days in a row, we're not going to be going back there again. Right. <laughs> we're yeah. going to find us a different spot. Yep. But that that passage, Red Tail, freaked me out some because that was my first experience interacting with you know a quote unquote wild bird that displayed almost imprinty like. It must have been so hungry that it just didn't care. Yep. But um, I'll show you the video after we get done recording and everything. But anyway, um, it was it was crazy how quick and out of nowhere that bird came down to try and rob my prairie. Um, and I shoot it off. And you know how these the, the ones that are truly wild and stuff, they, mm -hmm. they, they get spooked really easy. They fly off. You never see them. You, know, yep. you may see them again driving months from now or whatever here and there but but like as far as that immediate moment in time they they take off you know they don't want to have nothing to do with you this bird i i shoot off and it landed 10 feet away from us in the grass and just stood there and and just kept staring at at, at my prairie's dinner and i was sitting there like i i really hope you leave yeah. <laughs> you know like i really want you to leave you know and this is making me nervous you obviously. got really lucky yeah 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 really lucky and uh because i saw it out of the corner of my eye last second the first time we encountered it and um it almost landed it, it wasn't going for my bird it was going it was just trying to rob it right and so i was grateful for that but what was what was weird was what what came next so um the bird was on the ground watching us and everything. And finally it, it made a short move up to this tree that was right next to us and, uh, stayed on the, like one of the lowest branches of the tree and just still just kept staring at us and everything. So my, my prairie finished his dinner, got him back on the glove and I'm walking to the car. That red tail started following us and it, we didn't have any food at that point. You know I mean? But that red tail was making moves around this big tree, mm -hmm. you know, watching us go back to the car and stuff. I'm loading the prairie and the hatchback in the back of my car and stuff. That, that red tail came over and landed on top of my car as I was loading my bird in, into the back of the in the back of the, the car and everything. I get the bird, I get the prairie on his block in, in the back of the car. That thing, that red tail, after he flew and landed on top of it, I, I felt the wind of, of that bird coming and flying over the, the tailgate, mm -hmm. you know, with, with it up and everything. And just made a short little move back up into the tree, and just sat there and watched me finish loading. So he had already associated you. It, with... Yeah, it was it's crazy. Yeah. And so, you know, I I this is a little experiment because I couldn't help myself. Um, you know, I had two starlings on me. I had the one on the drone and the one that I used to to feed my prairie. So I walked back over to the tree, and I've got this other starling in my hand. You know, after I shut the doors to my car and everything <laughs> naturally, but. So I walk over and, and this bird's just staring at me, you know, just, just watching, hold that, that starling up and it just starts craning its neck down and everything. And, and, uh, I'm like, if I stayed here long enough, I bet you I could almost get that bird to come to my glove and take this starling. But, uh, of course I didn't have the patience for that. I, I just wanted to see if it would even come close mm -hmm. to me. And, um, I, I got right underneath it and it made a short little move up to another branch above it, but it didn't completely spook off. So I'm like, if you want this here you go i'll go ahead and just give you dinner on me you know today or whatever and and um tossed it down a couple times the second time i tossed it down it was probably no more than three feet away from me and um that thing just came right down out of the tree picked up the starling and flew off with it wow and i was just like man i you know i mean 
everybody was just like, are you sure someone didn't pull that bird? You know, someone, <laughs> I mean, it acted almost imprinted, but I just think it was so hungry, yeah. you know? And so I, I went back there again today and, um, uh, I had another buddy with me and, uh, you know, I was like, well, I'm glad that you're, that you decided to come along and stuff. Cause you know, I kind of want you to keep an eye out for that, that red tail. Sure enough. You know, he was right, he, back. He, right back, right, right back again. And, mm-hmm. uh, didn't, he, he wasn't, um, near as gutsy this time yeah. around swooped over, but didn't, didn't make the, the full commitment to try and rob and stuff today, but, and didn't, uh, didn't do that, uh, that, that committed pursuit, you know, mm-hmm. like, like a couple of days ago, but, but yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. You know, and it's, you never, you never know. No, you, you don't. just never know. So, um, but yeah, so is there anything else, uh, the Coopers? What, what else have you flown? I mean, aside from the coops and the, the yeah, I had a golf there one year uh-huh. and didn't really do much with him. I got focused on my red tail and kind of stayed, put all my time into it. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really went with the red tail, the imprint red tail that year. That's I had them both, and I focused all my time on it. Yeah, but uh, other than that, yeah, I'm, my passion is the occipiters. Mm-hmm. It's their flight. It's, I mean, they just you know they can take such a various amount of size of game. Mm-hmm. You know, we were flying females on sparrows all the way up to crows mm-hmm. on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And uh, you could fly one for 30 minutes and, you know, you take whatever head of game. It wasn't a big chore. You didn't have to go out to the field. Mm-hmm. You could do it anywhere. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it kind of has my attention is the sippers. But, yeah. yeah, then this past year or the past couple of years, I got to experience the squirrel hawking with uh, the Tennessee Bunch. And uh-huh. they're a great bunch of people. And uh, Jeff Fincher... Uh, the first year I hunt, got to hunt with him, I actually got to watch Maple, his dog, that he had then catch more squirrels than any bird at that meet. <laughs> so, yeah. of course, I'm going to go get a decker. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I got into squirrel hunting really hard this past year and did, did great. Love it. It's a lot of work. It's mm-hmm. a lot more work than letting the beagle do all the work, you know. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah the, the tables have turned, but I incorporate a dog with everything I do because yeah. you just you kill so much more yeah well i mean it's still it's still and in, in, in jeff brought this up too and I, i've experienced experienced this a couple times you know going along with people squirrel hawking and stuff but at least you're not wading through briars and all this right. thick brush you mm-hmm. know for for like an hour yep. you know to maybe kick up one or two rabbits at least you're walking around these woods mm-hmm. and i can see where it could be more work obviously and trying to shake the trees and and doing all the um the pursuit work and everything involved but but yeah at least you're not uh at least you're not um, unable to to move your hips right. <laughs> for like three days after some of these yeah. brutal like uh, you know thick briar and, and brush you know uh, cottontail hunts and stuff. Yeah. So no, I, that's cool, man. I um like I said, I I, I actually <laughs> I was the only person I think that put in a. Uh, tickets to the at, the at the raffle for the for the uh the decker oh uh, you're kidding me yeah. was that you yeah it was me yeah <laughs> yeah I, I just i was just like well you know i'll just see how this goes yeah. i probably i you know it was one of those things where i was just like i knew going into it that well i probably need another dog right now like i need a hemorrhoid or something like yeah. that but but uh but i was you know just gonna you know, see what, what was going to happen with it and stuff. And yeah, I was the only one to put the three tickets in there. <laughs> well, I was, like... <laughs> was going to wait and see if anybody put anything in. And I was going to, uh, I was going to, I had a certain amount I was willing to put in, 
But when I just saw the three in there, I knew mm-hmm. that yeah. we, we were going to show Amanda more respect with her her dogs and not let it bring nothing, you know? Yeah, yeah. So. No, I understand. No, but, uh, but yeah, no, that's cool. I, I really want to make, um, I told Jeff I really wanted to make um, either this year or sometime soon, we really wanted to make that squirrel meet. Scott, Scott Carter mm-hmm. has been trying to get me to come down to, to go to it the last couple of years and stuff too, and it just... For whatever reason, there's always something going on that yep. weekend. I just, I mean, I really want to try and make it down this year, though. It's a good meet. It's yeah. a good social and a very well-organized hunting meet. It's a good one. Cool. Yep. Well, good deal, man. Well, thanks so much for coming down. I mean, believe it or not, we're already we're already in an hour. Yeah, man. Okay. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. it's cool. Um, do you want to uh, give a shout-out or anything? Or, um, you know, I know we already kind of did a little shout-out for the for the Kentucky Falconer, um, you know, club and everything. But uh, is there anything else you want to share? Or anything yeah, don't before? you guys have a meet coming up here? And yeah, yeah. Soon? Yeah, yeah, the, the Indiana one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's August 17th. August 17th, you, I'll you, be there. You want to be there? I will well, be sweet. there. Yeah, we're going to come and represent Kentucky. You all did good for us. Good showing, you all. It's it's what it's about, the yeah. support. Yep. No, it's, it's, it's cool because um, – that, that's that's the one thing i do like about our location is um unfortunately you're a little bit further away and more mm-hmm. like central kentucky and everything but it's nice having guys like jared and and stuff um you know pretty close because i mean it's, it's a bummer having to buy, to buy a, a non-resident uh kentucky yes, hunting license yes. but but it's it's worth it though because he's got some some great fields mm-hmm. and and uh it's it's cool kind of having um you know those two different states you know so man, where we're at you know the, mm-hmm. the accessibility for both and everything so no it'd be cool it'd be great to have yeah. you and, and uh well nothing else i look forward to seeing you next weekend yes, sir. So, I'll be all right well thanks for coming down bud all right thank you man all right appreciate it and of course the indiana falconers association summer picnic has already come and gone but it was a uh, good catching up with a lot of the kentucky crew that showed up there and including clint and um also all my fellow indiana falconers and you guys always are a good time and uh Thank you so much to our, our state club for putting on a, a great event every year that, that we can all come and enjoy each other's company and hang out and share stories and and just uh, and just enjoy it for a day. So thank you very, very much for, for putting on another great picnic this year. It was, it was a lot of fun. And I also, of course, always want to thank our, our listeners for tuning in each week. And um, for those of you that have been kind enough to make the donations, um, you know, thank you so much. Um, all that money, like I said before, is going to go directly back into, into providing you more content and also, um, you know, providing you uh, with that uh, um, option of, of getting our podcast from other platforms here in the near future. So thank you all again so much. Um, you know, keep tuning in each week. We're always going to have cool new guests come on and and we hope you keep enjoying it. So thank you all again so much for the support and we will see you very soon. Take care.